Hey everybody, this is Jeff, and you are listening to In The Way, a podcast about discipleship for Sacramento District. Um, I've got with me today Brent Neely. Um, Brent, you just got married. Do you have like a fancy last name, or is it... <laughs> I, yeah, so I mean, my, my last name's the same. Her, her last name changed a little bit, uh, but yeah, it's uh, Brent Neely. Okay, <laughs> all right. Um and tell us where you are, where you're living, what you're doing, your history in the church, things like that. Yeah, so I'm uh, currently uh, down in Kansas City, Kansas. Uh, I actually had the first night in our house last night. Um, they've been doing some reno- renovations on it, so last night was the first time we could actually sleep in our house. Um, so brand spanking new back down here. Um, but what I'm, what I'm currently doing is <laughs> for the time being, mainly just getting the house set up, uh, waiting to hear back on a couple jobs and uh, a couple ministry opportunities. So kind of just, kind of just doing whatever. <laughs> in flex. But you, you have pastored in the Nazarene church, correct? Correct. I, um, I've served in a, in a couple different role, roles ministerially. I've, um, so previously, when I was in seminary, I I lived out here in Kansas City as well, and I'd worked as a children's pastor and then a associate pastor of spiritual development, um, and then I'd lived in Cape Elizabeth, Maine, for a couple of years, where I was the I like to say the lead pastor, but I was also the youth pastor and the associate pastor, exactly. And I I, I was the only pastor, so I I got to do all that work. <laughs> Cool. So that's why you say down in Kansas City because to you, it's Maine. Maine is the yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I guess really it's it's almost the the, the cent- center of the country. So right. I, I guess down is sort of weird, but yeah, I've been was up in Maine for a while. Then I was up in Minnesota. So everything south of has been south of me since. <laughs> cool, cool. And so uh, something that we like to do here, and when I say that, I mean this is the first time we've ever done it, um, is knowing that all good discipleship involves caffeine. Um, what are, what, what do you drink? If we're, if we're sitting in a coffee shop, what are you drinking? Well, uh, for, for those that are listening, uh, in the email, it said <laughs> that, that, that Jeff would make fun of me depending yeah. on my answer. I will. So um, we're waiting. And so I'm, I'm just giving that warning that there's likely to be some, uh, ridicule, <laughs> but I'll, I'll explain why as well, but I actually don't drink coffee. Oh, that, that's an acceptable answer. That oh, okay. not drinking coffee, uh, coffee in particular is, is, is acceptable. It's the, uh, what's not acceptable, you know, is I almost, I walked into our own, um, our own church on Sunday morning looking for something and they were brewing decaf and I almost had to change my sermon, um, <laughs> uh, to, although I wasn't preaching that day. Um, but you know, to decry the, the evils of, of, of the fake, the fake bean. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, all right. So you don't drink coffee. Are you a tea guy? I am. I, I love all sorts of different teas, whether it's, uh, Earl gray, lady gray, black tea, you know, English, Irish, lady gray. It sounds like, yeah, it sounds like a blues singer. Yeah. So lady, lady gray is probably my favorite. It's, it's sort of like Earl gray, 
but it has like a hint of orange in it. Oh, nice. Nice. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, maybe. It's just, just a lighter all gray, I guess. Yeah. Nice. Maybe you'll convert me away from, um, <laughs> from my personal addiction here. I don't know. I'm at the point where it's like, if I'm, if I don't drink any for two days, I get a headache and that's not mm-hmm. how things ought to be. Um, maybe, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> maybe God will convict me of that. I'll have to, I'll have to give it up for Lent or something. Um, speaking of Lent, uh, we're here today to talk about the Christian year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I wanted Brent to talk about this because we're sort of friends. We, we've been kind of virtual friends. I don't, I think we were in Kansas city at the same time, right? I, I have no idea. I don't When did you, when were you last there? Uh, I was in Kansas city from the very beginning of 2015 to the very end of 2016. 2016. Okay. Uh, oh yeah. We missed each other. I was there from 2010 to 2012. So we missed each other, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. That's you're like, Brent, you have this, I know this is a podcast so people can't see you, but you have this like liturgical presence about you. Um, you know, robes and collars and all kinds of fun stuff. Um, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm just wondering what's your, there's not a ton of Nazarenes that, um, I don't know that that's the sense that you get. What is your history with kind of the, the liturgical side of Christian worship? Yeah. So I, I know some people have assumed that I have come from outside of the denomination, um, that I had recently come into the church in the Nazarene, but I'm, I'm fourth generation Nazarene, uh, going back all the way to my great grandma when she had moved to a small town in Pennsylvania and found a small rural church that took her in and, uh, that loved her and my great grandpa. And we've been Nazarene ever since. And, you know, growing up, I went to a, what I would consider to be a fairly typical and fairly standard Nazarene church. Um, I'd never seen a Nazarene pastor wear a collar for most of my life. Um, I didn't even know really what a, what a clerical collar was. Um, I knew that Catholic priests wore one and, and that was about it. Yeah. Um, and so I, I grew up pretty, um, non liturgical, uh, if you will, just kind of, kind of free, uh, services where they're just kind of go with the flow, kind of, kind of you know wherever the spirit leads that sunday if you will um but in college my senior year i was interning at a church in hingham massachusetts with a with a pastor named jeremy scott and he he was the one that actually introduced me um more heavily to the liturgical side of the thing one of my professors in college uh jeff barker he had also kind of planted some of those seeds but it was it was really Jeremy that, that I think did the watering hmm. um, and just introduced me to a whole new world that I'd never known. Um, and I, I sort of have the person, I sort of have an a, a, um, a, um, addictive personality where when I start something, I, I try to dive pretty deep into it. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what happened with, with liturgy um, and with a more sacramental and, um, Anglican sort of view of our Wesleyan holiness history. Right. 
And it was also at a time when, you know, it was at the end of my college experience, my senior year and uh, EMC, the, the school that I went to in Boston had, had done a really good job of uh, deconstructing me, if you will. Mm. Um, just kind of <laughs> taking everything that I thought I knew and kind of just wrecking it. Yeah. And it, it made it hard for me to, to have any sure footing, to have any sure foundation, um, which I, I, I think was a really good thing um, because before any reconstruction and proper building can be done, you know, you, you kind of have to demolition some of the old stuff and to make room for it. And so it was at a point where it, it found me at a good point because I, I needed something to, to build my faith on, um, something sturdy, something that, that was lasting. Because um, I had, I'd come to the point where I was looking at a lot of the things that we were doing in some of the churches that I had grown up in and attended and realizing like, okay, this is only, <laughs> this is only 50 years old. This is only this, you know, this many years old. Like we're just starting to do this. Um, you know, how are we actually connected to the movement that Jesus started at the beginning? And uh, Jeremy Scott and Jeff Barker had really kind of helped me see like, okay, there actually is a continuing a continuing line that does go all the way back to the early church and, and how they worshiped and um, how that varied from context to context and how it was contextual, but how there were some of these key elements that, that shaped the faith. Um, and so I had dove into researching those and learning about them and studying and, and practicing them. And for me, that's how I've come to, to my faith. And how I've stayed in the faith is by, by walking in the ancient path, if you will. Nice. That's great. That's great. Thanks for, yeah, thanks for sharing that. I know that a lot of us, um, I don't know, it can be, um, as we sort of grow in the faith, sometimes it can be a little disconcerting to feel like we need more than we grew up with. Um, Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, that's really good. Um, so, so in particular, the, the Christian year is what I'm sort of interested in. And I know that, um, I don't know, people have probably heard about giving stuff up for Lent, um, or Advent, we've lit the candles, um, you know, uh, we've done, we've done things here and there. Maybe some of us have heard of the lectionary, um, but I'm, I'm wondering if you could, break down really quickly um well i mean two questions the one is sort of what is the christian year um why do christians need their own year (laughs) and and second is is you know what's the what's the benefit of the christian calendar for christian discipleship yeah yeah there's a there, there to me there's a whole lot of good that comes with the christian year uh, just from a personal experience, you know, I'll, I'll give a personal story that, that I think most of us can relate to, at least in some way or form, is for me, uh, I, up until about two years ago, I'd always been in school. You know, I did two years of preschool, then kindergarten, then first through 12th grade, then I did four years of college, then I did three years of seminary. So the school year dictated my life. You know, I, I knew the rhythm of the school year. My, 
my body knew when it was the end of summer that, you know, something new was about to happen. You know, I was going to, to experience new classes and meet new people and, and learn new things. And, you know, whenever April and May would come around, I would start to get eager because I, I knew a, a break was just around the corner. And it was really weird for me after I graduated seminary because that rhythm stopped. Mm. And it almost seemed like my life had no rhythm um, because it was like, all right, well, now what am I waiting for? Yeah. Now, now what am I looking forward to? Yeah. I remember that um, first September out of, out of college. I'm like, <laughs> I took a year off in between and it's like, wait a second. <laughs> There's just this thing in me that doesn't, you know, I'm just going to work every day, but no one's asking me for homework. And I guess at one point, yeah. on one level, it's like good, but. Um, mm-hmm. but on the other level, there's a certain amount of tension that we need in our lives and, and yeah. the academic year like builds that in, in one way or another. Yeah. And so it, it just be like, I experienced this, like, I don't know, almost fear of, of monotony, like, okay, September is no different from May now. Like, um, and so that, that's part of why I personally value the the uh, Christian year so much is because it it sets up that rhythm in my life that I I can look forward to different things and I I experience different things I you know so the the church year or or the Christian year or the liturgical year whatever we want to call it has a couple different seasons that it moves through where it'll it'll start with Advent um, which is you know a time of of waiting for the birth of Christ, waiting for the, for the reign of Christ to come on earth. Um, and for me, you know, that time builds up a lot of excitement because it, it's a time for me to focus on, on really three different comings of Christ to, to look back, to see when Christ was first incarnated, when, when Christ became human, to, to think about what that means. And then to also look forward to when Christ will come again. Um, and again, what, what that'll mean and what that should mean in my life today if I'm actively preparing and actively waiting for Christ. Mm-hmm. But then also to think of the advent of, of Christ in, in my own life, of when to think about those times when, when Christ became real and his presence, you know, began to, to dwell in me at a point that I, that I noticed it. Um, and so it, it gives me that bit of excitement and, and then you move to, to Christmas, which, um, <laughs> unfortunately Hallmark and the radios have kind of turned Advent and Christmas into the same thing where, you know, come December 25th, people are almost sick of Christmas. Um, when really, you know, December 25th is, is the start of Christmas. It, it, it's a 12 day season that that we take time to reflect on, okay, God is human. Right. God is, is, is among us. And what does that mean? Because that's really hard for our brains to comprehend that the creator of all of creation has stepped into creation and has become the created. Um, and to, to take time with that and, and, and to wrestle with that and then it moves into a, a short season called the Epiphany, which is when the the Magi came and and, and they found um, where they found found Christ, and they had been enlightened, and 
it, it's a season that for me, I've been able to take and purposely remember that, okay, Christ didn't just come to enlighten me, but Christ has come to enlighten the nation. Mm. That these, these wise men who really should have had nothing to do with the Christmas story are there, you know, they're, they're likely practicers of a Eastern and different religion, uh, dealing with the stars and different stuff like that. But it, it shows us that that Christ reveals himself to all if they're willing to seek him out. And then it moves into a, just kind of a, an ordinary period, if you will, for a little while, a, a period of just, just kind of reflecting on what that means to, to look at the epiphany, to, to look at the fact that, that Christ has come. And then it moves in, into Lent, which we take time to reflect on, okay, we've, we've reflected and meditated and waited on Christ to come, but now we're reflecting and waiting and we're meditating on the crucifixion that is to come. Mm. This, this key moment in human history, this, this turning point. And so we, we set time aside to, to lead ourselves up to it. Um, you know, spending 40 days, which, and the Bible is, is often a, a number, uh, 40 is often a number of significant change that is coming mm-hmm. with, uh, with it raining on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, for the Israelites wandering the desert for 40 years, for Jesus preparing to begin his ministry for 40 days in the desert. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we prepare ourselves for this world-altering event mm-hmm. in the crucifixion and the burial and the resurrection of Christ. Um, which of course leads us into Holy Week when we when when we live out those experiences where we where we take time to 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 really sit with that and, and to wrestle with that 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 we humanity have killed God. Mm. But thanks be to God that, that he was resurrected again on, on Easter Sunday and and what that means for us as, as a people of resurrection who sing hallelujah. Um, and what, one of the things that, that I love to remind people with the season of Easter is it's, it's a season. It, it's not a day. Um, uh, when I was in Maine, uh, some of my coworkers, I had worked at an assisted living home would look at me funny when I would come in and I'd say, happy Easter. <laughs> and they would say, Easter was four weeks ago. And it was no Easter is a seven week season. Yeah, there's it still three the, to go. <laughs> right? You know, it is it, it's the Sabbath of the year. It's roughly one seventh of the entire year. Yeah. Um, and it's 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 fifty days of rejoicing in the resurrection. Uh one of the things that I'd like to tell people is the the feast, Easter, is always greater than the fast. Right. Lent. Yeah, the forty so, days to the fifty days. Mm-hmm. So yes, that we we take time and we 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 prepare for what this means, but then we rejoice and we rejoice boldly and we rejoice loud and we rejoice triumphantly on what it means that death has been destroyed, that death has been conquered. Um, what it means for us to be a resurrection people, looking at Christ who is the first fruit, which takes us to uh, Ascension Sun or Ascension. Uh, where, where Christ ascends back into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father. 
And then it, it takes us to Pentecost where, where Jesus promised us that, Hey, I'm, I'm going to send you a helper. Mm-hmm. And in the form of the Holy spirit, you know, these tongues of flames come upon the disciples and those that are gathered and, and God's mission has been revamped into the world and, and God is sending out his people. And that takes us pretty much through till the end of the year. Um, some call it the season of ordinary um, because it's the time that comes after. Some call it the season of Pentecost. You know, some call it the, the, the church season because we move from concentrating on Jesus's life, hmm. the life of the church. Um, but it's this, it's this time to focus on, okay, Jesus has come. Jesus has lived. Jesus has died. And Jesus has been resurrected. Mm-hmm. And so now what do we do? Mm-hmm. What do we do as, as people that, that follow that? Um, which ends with the, the Sunday before Advent to bring us back full circle. The Sunday before Advent, which um, for me is, is my favorite Sunday of the entire year, hmm. is Christ the King Sunday, hmm. which is, is a relatively newer um, liturgical day in, in the life of the church. Hmm. Um, only roughly 70 years old was when um, several people in the church got together and said, hey, we, we, we really need to, to celebrate this and focus on this. And it's just a day that comes at the end of the year to remember that Christ is king, hmm. that Christ is ruler over all the cosmos and over all the universe and, and over all of creation. And, and as somebody who struggles with anxiety, for me, uh, I, I look forward to that day every year because it reminds me Christ is in control. Yeah. At the end of all things, there's Christ seated on the throne, mm. interceding for his people. Wow. Wow. That's great. What an awesome summary. <laughs> yeah. Sorry grabbed... if that was a little long. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. There's, um, I mean, I think you, um, I think you moved through all of that really well. Uh, there's obviously like, you know, so much that you could say, um, mm-hmm. all these little, um, little detours and loops that you can take in, in the midst of it. And it can get as complicated as you want it to be. Um, mm-hmm. but that's a great, overview and I'll, I'll make sure to put in this in the show notes here some kind of link to uh um i don't know you may have seen that have you you've seen those those sort of circles that are divided up like um, mm-hmm. into the different colors and everything um for each of the seasons and that might be a helpful visual for people too as they sort of fall. yeah and that that might be something good to talk about too if you want to if sure if, if you want to go over some uh like uh, what what the different colors are for the different seasons and yeah, why. Please. Go for it. Yeah, so um, for for the season of Advent, the color is primarily um, violet or purple. Um, some areas use use a bluer color to to not mix it up with Advent. But for me personally, I I prefer the purple because one, it's my favorite color. Um, and two, it's, it's like, it's very similar to Lent in that it's a season of, of preparation. Mm-hmm. Um, but so throughout the church year, there's primarily four colors that are used, purple, white, green, and red. Um, and they all kind of represent different things. So um, purple represents ro- uh, royalty um, and, and kingship. Um, it comes from 
the fact that a couple thousand years ago, purple was a really hard color clothing to make because the dye was really expensive and, and pretty rare. Um, and so only the, the wealthiest of the wealthy and, and the kingliest of the kings were able to have purple. And so for the season of Advent and Lent, pastors or, or the churches will, will decorate themselves in, in purple to symbolize the king is coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we focus on that in two ways, that the king is coming in the incarnation mm-hmm. uh, during the season of Advent, but also for the season of Lent that our king is a suffering king. Yeah. That our king is not one who who sits off high above with nothing to do with us, but rather our king is one that that went to the trenches for us. Um, that we have a, a suffering king that knows what it is like to suffer right. so that in our suffering, we're not alone. Um, and then the seasons of Christmas and Easter are typically white and sometimes there'll be gold sprinkled in and and it, again, that symbol of purity, of, of newness, of brightness, of, of something new happening uh, with, or with Christmas, of course, the, again, the, the coming of Christ, God stepping into humanity, um, <laughs> that, that doesn't happen mm-hmm. for, for the, the creator of all creation to say, you don't have to come to me, I'm coming to you. Right. It's something never before heard of um and so that god becoming a one of us is just this shining light in the church here so so we use white and gold and it's the same with easter you know easter is really coming right after a time of death and darkness and bleakness and this this time of just we have killed God. What, what does this mean? How, how is this possible? Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden this triumphant light just shining through of Christ is risen from the dead, trampling over death by death, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so there's this bright, shining white light, uh, which is why we'll often see churches decorated in, in white during Easter to, to just kind of make it as bright as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a couple different times throughout the year, uh, the the uh, color reds used. It's used in in Pentecost. It's used um, on on All Saints Day, which is a day in the fall, which is used to celebrate the lives of those that have come before us, who have shaped us and taught us in the faith. And and red normally symbolizes one of two things. It either symbolizes the coming of the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, with, with, with the fire that fell at Pentecost. Um, but it also represents the saints. Um, as several saints early on in church history were, were martyred. Um, so it, it reminds us of, of what we're called to and that as Christians, you know, when we celebrate the lives of those that have come before us and when we celebrate the, the Holy Spirit being, you know, poured out upon us, we're being reminded that that may just cost us our lives. Right. That following Christ 
is essentially us giving up our own lives and saying, hey, my life is no longer my own. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, Mm -hmm. but it is Christ who lives within me. Mm -hmm. And then the the last color, which is um, throughout the season of ordinary or the season after Pentecost and and a few other times, is, is the color green. And it's green because it represents growth. It represents life. It represents growing and being and living and just kind of, kind of taking things step by step and just continuing on the trail. Um, you know, it's kind of like you, you can always tell who's taking care of their lawn hmm. based on how green their grass is. It's, <laughs> it's kind of similar to that idea that, hmm. you know, during the, the seasons of ordinary, it's, it's a time when we're just doing maintenance, lawn care, when we're, when we're taking care of our souls. Hmm. And so that, that's often why, why green is used there. Hmm. Hey, thanks for joining us for this first week, um, part one, as we talk about the Christian year with Brent Neely. Make sure to come back next week as we release part two and dive into some of the ways that Christian discipleship can really be bolstered by um, by a practice of worship and a devotion that is built around the life of Christ in the Christian year. Uh, I want to thank Brett Neely for being with us. I want to thank uh, the, the district and in particular the SDMI board for helping us pursue this project. Uh, looking forward to being with you next week. Talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.